And I do the same when it comes to caring for Rosh Hashanah. Like all of you, there's, you know, challahs to cook and soup, challahs to bake and soup to make and menus and shoes to buy and things that we need to do. And the opportunity to sit and think about Rosh Hashanah um, is a gift that you gave me and I appreciate it. So let's, let's see, what is Rosh Hashanah? And the confusing part of Rosh Hashanah is that if I were to open it up and say, what is Rosh Hashanah? We would get a lot of answers and probably a small, small minority of them would be what the Torah actually says about Rosh Hashanah, right? Because Rosh Hashanah has a lot of, there, there's a lot of gray area in there. Like, what is this? Is this a day of feasting and, and, and happiness and I should be like inviting my friends over for meals and buying my daughter shoes and, you know, making delicious food? Or is it a day that like my entire life is hanging in the balance and I should be literally quivering and, you know, quaking like the fish in the Lithuanian rivers? What is it? Is it a day when a Kaddish Baruch Hu just kind of like a glance, skira achas at humanity? Or is it a day that we're all walking one at a time and getting a, a direct look? It's a little confusing. It's even the first of the Asaras Yemei And yet, do we do teshuva? Nope. Not at all. It's not in the davening. So, I'd like to go back with you to what the Torah actually says about Rosh Hashanah. And the Torah has two psukim regarding Rosh Hashanah. One is in Penchas and one is in Amar. And I want to thank the Rebetzin for preparing the source sheets um, for whoever wants them. There is no need to follow along though. Um, the Pasuk in Emar says, Zichron Trua Mikra Kodesh. Rosh Hashanah is all about remembering the Trua. The Trua is the shofar blast. Okay, so that's one piece. I don't think anyone would have said that probably, right? Like, Rosh Hashanah is all about remembering shofar. Um, and then there's another Pasuk in Pinchas, Yom Trua. Rosh Hashanah is a Yom Trua. It's a day of blowing the shofar. And to be honest, that doesn't help me anymore. Like, okay, so now what? Rosh Hashanah is about remembering the shofar. It's about blowing the shofar. And so when you're confused about a Pasuk in the Torah, we have to move down a level. And the next level would be the Mishnah, which is the oral Torah that explains the Psukim in the Torah. So if we go looking in the Mishnah to see, maybe the Mishnah will tell me what Rosh Hashanah has to do with remembering shofar and shofar. And I think this one is also on the source sheet. It's the Mishnah Rosh Hashanah. Ba'arba prakim ha'olam nidon. The world is judged at four times. One of them happens to be Rosh Hashanah kol ha'olam over in lefan of kivnei maron. On Rosh Hashanah, all the inhabitants of the world pass before God, single file for him to judge, Shene Emar, like it says, and it brings a Pasuk from Tehillim, Hayotzer Yachad Libam, the one who forms their hearts together, Hamevin El Koma Seyam, the one who understands all their actions. Tell me, does that explain to you why it's a Yom Zichron Trua and a Yom Trua? Does that help you out? No, it just added a whole other level of confusion, didn't it? So now it's not just about Shofar, and it's not just about remembering Shofar, it's about a judgment. Okay, so what happens if we're confused by the Mishnah? What do we do next? Yeah, very good. Thank you. We moved down a level. We're going to move on to the Gemara. And hope that the Gemara is going to help us piece together all the parts, the Torah, the Mishnah, and give us a, a, a picture of what Rosh Hashanah is. So there's a very famous Rosh Hashanah, Gemara on Rosh Hashanah. Everybody knows it. Hashem says, Imr lefanai Rosh Hashanah. On Rosh Hashanah, you should all say before me, Malchios, Zechronos, Shofaros. Verses about Hashem's kingship, verses about memory, and verses about Shofar. 
and we do that, by the way, right? The long Shmona Esra and Rosh Hashanah is divided up into the section on Malchios, Hashem's kingship, the section about remembrance, and then the section about shofars. You don't forget it if you dominate. And why? Malchios, Kadesh Tanli Chuni Aleichem. You should do the verses of kingship so you can crown me upon you. Zichronos, Kadesh Ya'ala, Zichronichem, Lefanai, Latovas. You should say verses of memory so that your remembrance should arise before me for goodness. Uva Meh. And how do we do all this? You know it, that shofar, exactly. So the Torah tells us it's about blowing a shofar and remembering a shofar. The Mishnah tells us it's about judgment. And the Gemara says, you know, it's really about crowning Hashem, which, by the way, have we heard before in the Chumash or the Mishnah? Nope. Brand new idea. Poking up. Um, It's about zichronos, memory, which is connected to, to judgment. You'll, we'll come to that in a little bit. So that's not so new. And shofar, also the shofar, which we actually now are going back to the Pesukim and Rosh Hashanah. So can we pull this together? Can we pull all the different dots and come up with a picture of what is happening two weeks from tonight, I kid you not, <laughs> so that we can go into it being prepared. Let's start with the Pesukim from the Torah. We'll start with one and we're going to end with the other. Hopefully it'll wrap it up nicely. The first Pesuk says it's a Yom, it's a Zichron Trua. We're remembering the Trua. Anyone have any idea which shofar we're remembering? Harsinai. How do I know that? Akeda also has a lot to do with shofar and Rosh Hashanah, obviously. But it's very simple. You open up your machzor on Rosh Hashanah, you start reading the section of shofaros, and what does the machzor, what do you say in shofaros? You don't have to memorize it. I'm going to tell it to you. We say, You were revealed in your cloud of glory. And from the heavens, you let them hear your call, your voice. You revealed yourself to them in the clouds of uh, purity um, with the shofar blast. And, and again, a little bit later, when our king was revealed on Har Sinai, how was he revealed? With thunder and lightning, but what is kol also really in Hebrew? With voices, with sounds, you were revealed to them. And with the sound of the shofar, you appeared to them. So the Pasuk of Zichron Trua is talking about the shofar of Harsinai. Now that's really interesting because when we usually think about Harsinai, we think about Shvuz, Matan Torah, Daseres Hadibros. We don't really give the shofar the primary importance when we think about Matan Torah. But on Rosh Hashanah, it's the day of remembering the shofar of Harsinai. So what on earth was the shofar doing at Harsinai? And again, if you look those words in the Musaf, they tell it straight out. Ata niglesa, you revealed yourself through a shofar. The shofar on Harsinai was HaKadosh Baruch Hu opening himself up to us and showing us him, revealing himself to us. Now, why couldn't it have been a picture? Why did it have to be like with dark clouds? And there was no visual, no visual effects at Harsinai. It was really auditory. Why the sound of the shofar? It's really very simple. It's that human beings have a lot of limitations, right? We cannot see ultraviolet light. We cannot see infrared light. And just like we have physical limitations, we cannot see God. No human being has the ability to look and just, oh, I I get you. Yeah, I perceive you. Even in English, when you say, I see, it means, I understand. I got it. No, human beings can't do that. We We cannot see Hashem through our eyes. 
and Moshe Rabbeinu in, in Devarim, he says that to, the, to Bnei Yisrael. He says, you know, Hashem appeared to you in sounds because Tmunas Hashem in Chemro, you can't see. You cannot see a, a vision of Hashem. We can't do that. We have to go with sound. So what is the sound that happens at Shofar? The sound of a Shofar is a breath that comes from inside a person and it gets just blown out in a raw, unfiltered, this is my essence, this is my tone, and it's coming right out. And Birshus Rebetzin Rheingold, um, many years ago, I heard uh, Rabbi Rheingold speak, please correct me if it needs to be. Um, it was out of Shava Brachas, and he spoke about kol sason kol simcha, kol chasan kol kala. We talk at, about the sound, the voice of rejoicing, the voice of a bride and the voice of a groom. And he said, what is the kol here? A kol, a voice is something that just comes straight out from your deepest essence. It's not filtered. It's not, you know, words can hide. I can tell you, oh, how are you doing? I'm fine. I, I could use whatever words I want. The words are really not telling you my essence. The tone, the kol, that's the essence of what's really inside a person. And anybody who's sat with a child who's very, 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 very upset, or even an adult who's very, very upset knows it's not the words that you say, it's the tone, right? It's knowing that me, my essence, is here with you. And I could literally be saying, you know, apple, banana, it doesn't matter. It's, the message is whatever, the, you know, it's, okay, it's gonna be okay, we're gonna be fine, whatever it is. It's not the words, it's the tone. And I actually just wanna take a minute to remind ourselves that in today's world, we're losing the tone. And unless we're very conscious of our communication, we can too easily slip into non-tonal communication. So I could text my husband and say, could you please pick up a dozen eggs at the store? And that's very practical and functional as polite. You know, I could do the whole, can you please? I don't need to just do one DOZ egg or whatever. Um, but that's very different than me picking up the phone and hearing my voice. Can you please pick up a dozen eggs at the store? And it's something that we're not aware of that we're losing. I had a friend a few years ago who, who suffered a, a severe, horrible tragedy. And she texted. She texted a, a group of friends, you know, at night. Uh, she, she didn't know what to do. It was like, is someone there? And she, she texted, this thing happened. And I got the text, and I thought to myself, now what? You don't text back. Like, what do you text back? BDE? Like, you don't do that. What she needed to hear was, a tone. She needed to hear a person who cared. She needed me to pick up the phone, be vulnerable, call someone and say, I'm here. I'm here with you. And what's interesting is I brought it up at a Shabbos table years later with a bunch of young people at the table and I said, what would you do? What would you do if your friend texted you with a really horrible thing they went through? I text back. We're losing the tone. We're losing the tone. So when HaKadosh Baruch Hu revealed himself with the sound of the shofar, that was his essence. That was Hashem blowing his air on us, revealing himself to the highest ability a human being can possibly perceive him. Atatni Glesa, you revealed. And what happens? What happens when a person is faced with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in front of them? This is a hard one to imagine. I could not come up with an analogy. I apologize. What do you do when Hashem himself opens up the world and says, I'm here? You really only have one option. And that option is whatever you say. <laughs> whatever you say. I want to be, you're, you're my king. Like, 
the kingship, Malchias, comes by being aware of Hashem. And perhaps the best analogy is if you think of whichever person you can think of, whether it's someone you've had this chus to meet or someone you've only heard of, but someone who really lives with the presence of Hashem in front of them at all times, they are a servant of Hashem at all times. There is no room for doing anything else because when you're aware of Hashem, that's like all there is. So what happens at Harsinai when Hashem reveals himself? We say Nasav and Ishmael. Like, that's it, no problem, whatever. Like, there's nothing else to say. Which is why, by the way, we say, you know, Matan Torah didn't really count to a certain level. We needed to go through Purim because it's like, Kafa har It's as if Hashem held that mountain over our heads and said, You want the Torah? Yeah, we want the Torah. It wasn't that He held up Harsinai, it's that, how can you say no? When Hashem is in front of you, He is the king. End of story. You don't have another option. So the people, they, they actually couldn't survive it, right? It was like, no choice, Hashem, whatever you want, we're going to do. And now we have the beginning of the connection between a shofar and kingship. When the Gemara says Rosh Hashanah is about Malchias, because a shofar is not just like, Doo. a shofar was Hashem revealing himself to us, it was Hashem showing us himself. Obviously, Malchias is is the next step. There's nothing else to do. Um, there was another time in history that HaKadosh Baruch Hu revealed himself to people. You know when else Hashem had um, maybe even the closest encounter with a human being? It was exactly the first Rosh Hashanah. Zehayom Tchilas Ma'asacha. Very nice. It's the day, Rosh Hashanah is the day that Hashem did what? He created Adam and Chava by blowing into them Nishmas Chayim. And this is so important to understand that it's not that Adam didn't have the biological definition of life before that. There are opinions that there could have been people walking around, meaning like you, you look like it, you, can, you, can, you can't talk, but, but you can move, you could do things, you could you know, live your biological life. That's not what Hashem did. Hashem gave Nishmas Chayim. And Chayim, it's so beautiful, it goes with the introduction to, to this shir. Chayim is not about a physical life. Chayim is about a connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And when Hashem created Adam and He gave him that breath, the Chilek Alokam Imal, He connected Himself to Adam, He bound Himself together with Adam, Adam, you know, messed it up a bit, um, but, but ultimately Hashem was there giving of himself saying we're connected, you are part of me which is why, by the way um, we can say that Rishayim, even when they're alive they are Kruyim Mesim it's as if they're not alive Tzadikim Af Misasan Kruyim Chayim Chayim has nothing to do with whether air is going in and out of your lungs, it has to do with are you connected to HaKadosh Baruch Hu? And by the way, also, that's why during the Asaras Yimei Tshuva, we're going to daven, we're going to actually say, please give us life. Do we say it in the section of Shemona Esrei when we're supposed to ask for things? Nope, we don't. Why? Because we're not asking, you know, can you keep the blood pumping through my heart? We're asking, I want to stay connected to you. That's really not a bakasha for me. That's like praise for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that the whole world should just be like this with him. 
Um, so, moving back, what happened when Adam Arishon was created? What happened when Hashem blew into him his neshama? What do we expect to happen? The same thing that happens at Matan Torah, right? You, you have to say, whoa, there's a God. And there's a gorgeous medrash. I think you have it. Kivan um, Nivra, as soon as Adam was created, Kamal Raglav, he got up, and his appearance was like godly. It was so divine, and his stature was enormous. He was so radiant that um, all the creations came and they were in awe of him. They said, you must be our creator. And they all came to bow down before Adam. And Adam turned to them and he said, why are you coming to bow down to me? Come, you and me, and we are going to adorn with might and grandeur the one who created us. And at that time, he opened up his mouth and he said, along with all the creations of the world to Hillim, Hashem malach geus lavesh. Hashem reigns. Hashem is king. Because what comes along with an encounter of Hashem is your king. Your king. That's all there is. When we're connected to Hashem and when he's our king, the beauty of it is that as much as we want to be connected to him, he wants to be connected to us. There's a, there's a duality here. And... Um, by, by revealing himself to us, and by us then crowning Hashem on us, we are forming a relationship. And Hashem had a plan for the world. Hashem has a plan for the world, right? Hashem's plan for the world is that His will should come down, should be on this world. This world should be a reflection of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And He needed us, He needs us, to do that with him. We become his ambassadors. So the first plan was actually that Adam HaRishon and everyone should do it. Over time, if you recall, that really didn't work so well. So eventually Hashem found Avram Avinu and he said, we're going we're gonna to try just one small family. Maybe you can do this piece that I had of bringing me into the world, bringing me into the world. But here is the piece. If we are HaKadosh Baruch Hu's emissaries in the world, there is an inevitable din, judgment that comes with that. And the world really lost last week, I think, the one person who represented this idea most beautifully. Um, the, queen, uh, the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth II, did not forget for a minute or a day of her life that she represented Great Britain. To the day she died, she represented Great Britain. And so she always presented herself calm, serene, you had no idea what she was thinking. She was dressed, hat, gloves, pearls, all the time. Why? Because she was so important? Not at all. She was clearly representing a thousand years of Great Britain's history and everything that they have done over the world. She was the representative of something so much bigger and larger than herself. And she knew that that representation comes along with the responsibility to hold yourself to a totally different standard. You see, if we're meaningless, if we're nothing, if Hashem is huge and gigantic and we are ants on the ground, it really doesn't matter what we do. You can do whatever you want. You know, Miss Jane Doe living in London can walk around in flip-flops and shorts and eating hot dogs. The Queen of England cannot. It's only if you are a representative of something so much bigger than you that 
everything you do actually counts. And so now, if you can see this progression, we've gone from saying shofar, what, the Torah just says shofar is Rosh Hashanah. Yeah, because Rosh Hashanah is when Hashem revealed Himself to us. What happened then? We crowned him and he crowned us. Meaning he said to you, us, Atem Yuli, you're going to be to me. Mamlachas Kohanim to you. You're going to be my kingdom. I want you, you want me. We're, we're a partnership together. And with that comes our importance, not as ourselves, but as HaKadosh Baruch Hu's messengers. And that is where, that is where the judgment that the Mishnah brings in of Rosh Hashanah, that's where it comes in. So when we talk about judgment on Rosh Hashanah, anyone have any idea which section, where, where do we bring that up? What does it have to do with? It's not Shofaros. It's not Malchios. It's the Chanos. It's the memories. It's the memories. And again, I'll read just a little bit of the introduction of what we're going to be saying so soon. You remember all the things that people have done throughout the whole world. You remember everything that's been done. Constant, like, remember, remember, remember. And what's the next part? The Al-Hamadinos, Boyamer, and on the countries, we're going to know who's for war and who's for peace. And on the individuals, we're going to Haskiram, Lachayim, Lamavis, right? That's why we go into the whole, I don't know, awesomeness of the, the feeling of Rosh Hashanah changes. As soon as we get to that line, we're like, oh, right. Because it's, it's in Zichronos, it's in the memory. And the question is, what on earth does memory have to do with judgment? And the way you and I think about judgment, memory doesn't really play a role. You know, if I would have been speeding on my way down here, and I would have been pulled over, I would have gone before a judge, I don't know how it works, but the judge would have said, you were going 45 in a 25 mile per hour zone. Facts, the facts are right in front of me. There's no memory. It's not like, oh, I remember you, I've seen you before. I mean, if it had to be before, that would be a problem, I guess. But um, it's all about the facts that are in front of me. Hashem's judgment is completely different. Hashem's judgment is zichronos. And this is so important because a person's memories is, are not isolated events. It's not like, I remember that I had eggs for breakfast. I remember that I have a blue car. I remember that you know I have six children. A person's memories give us the context to know who we are. And that's the real tragedy of people who Rahman al-Islam lose their memories. It's not that they forget what color car they have. That's not the problem. They lose themselves, don't they? They lose, who, who am I? A memory is what gives you a context more than you know this piece and that piece and that piece, these discrete isolated events. The memory is what pulls it all together to say, this is my story. This is who I am. And when HaKadosh Baruch Hu judges us, he's not doing it without memory. He's not doing it by saying, oh, 4 o'clock, she did a mitzvah, that was good. But 5.30, uh, that didn't sound good. No, one, you know, plus one, minus one. It's not the way it works. Zichronos is the judgment. It's with memory. When Hashem has a memory, He's calling up everything about me. My history and all the things that influence me and my challenges and things that come easily to me and what pressures I was under that day and what my goals are, what my dreams are, what my aspirations are. Past, present, and future, it's like all tied up in that memory. The judgment is not this like, you know, judge sitting there telling you, you know, plus two, minus four. No, it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu and me. Again, we're in this together where Hashem is saying, 
I, you're really important to me. You, you have a mission, you have a job, you have a very unique mission. There's no one else in the world who can do what you do every single second that you are alive. And now, let's see how you're doing as a totality, with everything, with memory. Which is why when you go back to the Pesukim that we said, we said, the memory of every creation comes before you. Ma'aseish, a person's actions, and kekudaso, his mission. Hashem is looking at each one of us and saying, I have, I have a job for you. There's a mission. Remember, we've got this relationship. We're so close. You crown me. I work with you. Here's the mission that you were created for. Let's, let's look at the totality. I am with Hashem in the judgment of Rosh Hashanah. It's not Hashem versus Rebecca Messinter. It's Hashem and Rebecca Messinter together looking and seeing how are things going? How are we fitting in to HaKadosh Baruch Hu's plan for the whole world? Yes, that global peace and for my part in it. And if you go back to the Mishnah, this is so beautiful. Every word counts. You go back to the Mishnah of Rosh Hashanah. What Pasuk did the Mishnah bring to talk about judgment? It's a Pasuk that says, Hayotzer Yachad Libam Hashem forms their hearts. Hamevin al Kolma Asayam. He understands every one of their actions. When I go to be judged by Hashem, I'm going to be before something who knows my heart. He created my heart. He knows my actions. It is this huge, the, 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 the Pasuk right there gives it all away to you. It's like Hashem is doing this in the context of everything about you. He created you. He knows. He knows what you struggle with. He gave it to you. He knows what sets you back. He knows what inspires you. It's all a picture that's encompassed, but it's all a din of closeness. It's about the relationship. And that's the key to Rosh Hashanah. It's the key by going back to Zichron Shruah, that HaKadosh Baruch who opens himself up to us and he blew down to us. He blew down the shofar. He blew into Adam also. And by the way, the Shla, I believe, and others say that that was analogous to a shofar. You blow air into something. Hashem blew air into Adam. What came out of Adam, by the way, when he blew into him? Nishmas Chaim? Speech, sound, right? Isn't that gorgeous? It's, it was like a shofar. And when that happens, you automatically, you're just, Hashem, I want, I want to be part of your vision. I want to be part of your story. And then, that means I matter. That means I count. That means everything is important. So, so yeah, let, let's look and see. Like, what can I, how can I do this? How can I fit in? And that's the zikronos. Zikronos is our chance to remind Hashem where we fit into the story. Not just individually, personally, me and you but all of Klal Yisrael. Do you remember Hashem? We, and we go through all these psukim. There was Noah and there was Avram. The whole story, because it's a context. This is who we are. This is where we came from. Not just, oh wow, you know, Klal Yisrael today, we, we don't look so good. No, there's a context. There's a story. There's a whole picture that Hashem is looking at. He's a, it, it's, it's way different than you or I. And I think we're a lot quicker to judge, to judge much more. Well, I'm sorry, I won't speak for you. I am much quicker to judge much with much less information, much more negatively. I can look and say, oh gosh, Claudia, so we're in big trouble. You know? Hashem doesn't do that. Hashem has Hashem has this huge picture that is way it's with all the zikronos, it's with all the memories. And to bring the point home, just in case we didn't get it ourselves by going through the Psukim and the Mishnah of the Gemara. When we, when we were given the format of what to do on Rosh Hashanah, we were given a gorgeous Haftarah. It was the Haftarah of Chana. 
We read the story of Hannah who prayed for a, a child and HaKadosh Baruch Hu granted her a child and then what did she do like immediately, almost? She like turned around and gave him right back, right? It's a funny type of prayer. Um, and something so important happens with her tefillah that we learn all our halachas of how to daven from Hannah. She did something that no one else had ever done until that point in history that teaches us what we need to do and it's central to Rosh Hashanah. We got to hear it on Rosh Hashanah. Um, Livia, I'm going to quote your father too. You can correct me also. <laughs> My uncle, Rabbi David Lappin, Livia's father spoke and um, I will not take credit for remembering this. I will tell you that when I shared with my husband what I wanted to say, he said, well, don't you remember what your uncle said about Hannah? And I had to say no, but he reminded me. He said, Hannah was the first one to understand that tefillah is not a way for me to ask God for what I want. It's the way for me to form a relationship with him. And the shoresh of tefillah anyway is, is connection, right? Hannah was the first one to say, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, it's not about that I want to go pushing my stroller down the street and, you know, make other people say, oh, what a cute baby. I want to know that you're listening to me. I want to know that I matter to you, that you care about me and what I'm asking for. Give me this child, I'll give him right back to you. I want this to be a relationship. I want there to be a two-way street here. That's what tefillah is meant to be. It's the root to a relationship. I don't know, I, I couldn't believe when I looked it up how many years it's been. It's been seven years um, since during the three weeks there were, there were three boys in Eretz Yisrael, if you recall, who were kidnapped. And they, they, were, they were murdered. Um, before we knew what had happened to them when they were still missing, the mother of one of them, Naftali Frankel, Mrs. Racheli Frankel, gave an interview. And um, I hope I can quote her without crying. She said to the interviewer, she said, my religious faith doesn't depend on the fact that on the condition you wear a certain amulet, everything will be good. We live in a world which is much more complicated than that. From the very first day after the kidnapping, I thought that prayer had a lot of power to it, but it doesn't work like an ATM. You don't press buttons and get results. God is not my employee. I told my children, we will pray, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu will act in accordance with His will. That's a Hana tefillah. That's a tefillah of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I'm asking you for something, but I'm asking it for you because I want to be connected. Whatever it is, I want to be connected. I don't want this to be a put in a mincha, get out, uh, you know, whatever it is. There has to be a relationship. And we do that, now you know that we do it, and at the end of every Shemona Esrei, how do we close? We say, do it for your sake, do it for your sake. It's not about what I want, Hashem. We want a relationship. We just, we want to be connected. Tefillah is a route to the connectivity. Um, if you look at every piece of the Rosh Hashanah story, it would take too much time and I won't, but I take a look and you'll see how each part, everything we mention on Rosh Hashanah, it just has to do with putting HaKadosh Baruch Hu center in the, everything we have relates to Hashem, not as a He, me, but literally like this. Um, even, by the way, someone else who's, who's very, very tied into Rosh Hashanah, we say Yosef HaTzadik was remembered on Rosh Hashanah, right? Um, Yosef HaTzadik is the epitome of Kiddush Hashem in the world, which is very odd because what he did happened in private. Like we think of Kiddush Hashem as being this like big, you know, gorgeous public statement. No, Kiddush Hashem was actually just about doing Hashem's will. Yosef, when he was a young boy, he shared with his brothers dreams that he had. When he shared the dreams, where was God? He's not there. 
Where's Yosef? The center of the action. Everyone bow down to me in my dreams, right? Remember that. And Yaakov Avinu, if you recall, rebuked him. He didn't say, you're wrong, that's never going to happen. He said, your perspective is wrong. You can't do it this way. Fast forward all the years later when the brothers come, who is Yosef in Mitzrayim? We learned this, Rashi, that Shem Shamayim Shagur Befiv. Yosef couldn't talk without talking about Hashem. He, he could not. And the brothers come and he says to them, it wasn't you, it was God. You had nothing to do with this. Don't be upset at yourselves. It was God. It was God. All of a sudden, it's HaKadosh Baruch Hu who's in the center of events and we are all around him. That's Yosef. That's Rosh Hashanah. And those are the tefillos that we say on Rosh Hashanah. When we daven, we say, we're asking, please, Hashem, we want all of us to be connected with you. We just want to be part of you. We just want to be together. We want the chayim of a relationship. And so when we go back and we start with what on earth were, what does the Torah tell us about Rosh Hashanah? It told us two psukim. One was zichron trua, Hashem blowing himself, his essence down to us. What was the second pasuk? Yom Trua. When we take our air, we take our coal, our essence, and what do we do? We blow it right back to him. And right there, we have the essence of Rosh Hashanah. You only need those two psukim. The pasuk of HaKadosh Baruch Hu opening himself up to us, which by definition leads to Malchus, and a definition leads to judgment. And us turning right around to Hashem and blowing right back and fusing our voice with His voice, fusing our coal with His coal, so that we should be able to be connected to Him, bring His will down to this world. And that is why, just for those people who need the Torah Simacha peace, when you are on Rosh Hashanah as a woman, and whether or not you have young children at home, your Rosh Hashanah is very different than it was when you really could only focus on you know, what you thought was spirituality. I remember the first Rosh Hashanah before I had children, when I had to leave shul early just to like make a salad and set up, I was like heartbroken. Like as if I had failed Rosh Hashanah because I had guests coming and I needed to be ready for them so they shouldn't have to wait for 25 minutes when they first walk in the door because I had been all the way to the, you know, Hazon Olam at the end. No, it's not about what makes me feel spiritual. It's about what HaKadosh Baruch Hu wants from me. As long as I'm asking him every morning, what's your will for me? Help me do your will. Help me stay connected to you. Help me remember you. Help me think of you. Anything we do, anything we do is an expression of that Rosh Hashanah. It is Malchus. You can be home with your children. You can be helping all types of people. And you can still have the Rosh Hashanah because it's about HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's about the Simloch Atah Hashem Levadacha that you should be the king over all of us, and we should be connected to you. It's the, it's the beauty of Rosh Hashanah. It's our mission for Rosh Hashanah. And Hashem should bench each one of us that we should be zocha to really work on connecting to Him this year, building that relationship so that we can be as one through all of Rosh Hashanah and just be expressions of His will in this world. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm.